second sermon on the fourth commandment, um, which is about the Sabbath. Um, last week, uh, we looked at the Sabbath from its inception on the seventh day of creation. Um, we read, we, we worked through that period of time between creation and the giving of the law in Exodus 20 on Mount Sinai um, through Moses. And we also looked at the second giving of that law in Deuteronomy 5 and charted the way that the Sabbath was observed from Moses to Jesus. Um, we saw how the Sabbath is both fulfilled in Jesus um, and was changed to be the first day of the week to mark his resurrection from the dead. Um, not only that we have record in the Bible of those first Christians meeting for worship, of gathering tithes and offerings, of having meals together on the first day of the week, but we even hear um, John in the first um, chapter of Revelation um, naming, um, giving the name to that first day of the week being the Lord's Day. And so um, Sunday has always been um, Jesus's day. It's the day that, that we give um, to him. And so um, this morning what we're going to do is, if that was the big run through all of scripture and show what I, what I hope to, that you saw was that the scripture, uh, the Sabbath is woven into both creation and redemption, um, is eternal and abiding. Um, it is one of the facets we might say, um, you know, one of the, one of the features um, of creation and of the calendar. Um, if you have a, a, a new operating system come out or your phone updates and you think, oh, what are the new features in this particular software? Well, one of the features of the creation of time itself was this cyclical nature of six days of work and one day of rest. Um, and so it's a facet of creation, also a facet of redemption as we see in, um, and even the telling of the Ten Commandments and the Fourth Commandment this morning, as we read in Exodus 20, um, you'll see uh, Moses um, speaking God's word, root the Sabbath in creation, because God created over six days, and on the seventh day made that day holy and rested, and rested on that day. Deuteronomy 5, um, when Moses gives the Ten Commandments again and comes to the Fourth Commandment, he does not root it then in creation, but roots it in redemption. And so Exodus 20 is, hey, because God created and rested, Deuteronomy 5 is, because God has won you out of the slavery of Egypt. You were in slavery, now you have freedom, and a representation of that freedom is now you pause every seventh day to show that you're no longer slaves. Not only that you can do what you want with the seventh day, but to show one day the great work that Jesus would bring about of releasing us from the slavery um, of sin. So, not by our works, by um, God's great work. And so, I'll read to us in Exodus 20. I'll flip over to Deuteronomy 5. This morning we'll jump into um, a brief little detailed look um, at the fourth commandment. And then next week we'll get on to show how the fourth commandment finds its fulfillment in Jesus. So, this is, um, this is the word of God. Exodus 20, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy. 
you want to flip over in your copy of God's Word to Deuteronomy 5, we pick up in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your ox nor your donkey nor any of your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath Um, because this is the word of our God why don't we pray now as we consider it father Thank you for your word, which is true and whole in every part. Um, We learn things in it that we could learn no other way. And we learn it, Lord, in a way that communicates exactly what you intend to reveal to us. Now, thousands of years later, for when Moses delivered this, your word, to your people, and yet is abiding and true, trustworthy and sufficient for us, your people. Thank you for the rest that we have in Jesus, even as we pause in this rest to study the scriptures on that rest, and we pray in Christ's name, amen. So as we come to this particular passage, I'm going to remind you that God intended not only to save individual people, but to place them within families, that those families themselves would be a part of local churches, that local churches would be a part of the church of Jesus Christ as a whole. And that God in each of those different spheres, whether it's individual, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your local church, or the church gathered around the world, not only has given us commands that are rooted in how he made us in creation, but is also redeeming us to be transformed to more clearly reveal who Jesus is. We talked about this um, a few months ago. God's blueprint for sanctification for each of us and for our church is not unique to each of us, nor is it unclear. What God is doing in us as a redeemed people, what he's doing in our families, is he's making all of us more like Jesus. Jesus and his person and work as perfect man and fully God fully expressed the pattern of holiness and perfection here on earth. And so God's great grace to us is not only that he gives us a, as it were, a get out of hell free card, which is true in the redemption that Jesus has earned for us, freely forgiven. We are redeemed and will never face the fires of hell or eternal judgment. But also he sets about the work of sanctification, making us new. And the pattern of that sanctification is Jesus So we reflect new and changed lives. And so the Ten Commandments, as we've seen, aren't first ten laws that we're supposed to do. They are ten revelations, not only of who God is generally, but who Jesus Christ is. And so when we come to the Sabbath, we see the way that Jesus observed the Sabbath, the way that he worked and the way that he rested as an individual and as an individual, how that is the pattern for now whole communities. And so not only should you take a 24-hour rest once a week because of the way that God made you and redeemed you, but it also shapes your family. Whether your family is, you're single and you're living your life to the glory of God, you're married, don't have any kids, 
whether you're married and have young kids or older kids, whether you're empty nest, the Sabbath marks how your family is different than other families. Not only that, how our church is different in culture. Not only that, how the Christian church is different across the world. I mean, it's, it's really kind of startling when you think about it. As the sun sweeps across this globe, this chunk of earth spinning in space, of how this day called the Sabbath is observed today. People in every nation, tribe, and tongue stopping, stopping their work, pausing to worship the risen Savior Jesus, going back to work for six days, and then again every seventh day. So it's, it's not just that we share a common Bible this morning. It's not just that we share a common, common hymns with other churches that are worshiping in different areas. It's that not only that, but our time and the way that we spend time and the way that we see work and the way that we see rest is amongst this shared community. So now there is this global church that is being formed by the pattern of Jesus being sanctified according to creation and redemption. It's really amazing when you think about the Sabbath and the calendar and what God's up to through it. And so as we dive into that, just see that this is about how we spend time and that God has claimed our calendar and always has. And you think, well, why do you do what you do? Why is there such thing as a Monday and a Sunday? Why is there a seven-day week? You're like, well, that's just the way it is. I buy my calendar or I open up my app and there are seven days and there are 12 months and these different things. And it's because of Jesus. Like Jesus's resurrection has claimed lordship over the calendar of people who reject him. Like, they may be the rankest atheists, but try doing an eight-day an eight week. Everybody's going to think you're crazy. Like, no. Try having your employees on Sunday. They probably would still even rebel, even in the, the, the way our culture is going, and eroding Sunday, even being a day to pause. And so Jesus is exercising lordship today, even in the way that secular culture is forced by the calendar to observe the Sabbath day. So... Jumping into this particular passage, we're going to work our way uh, kind of point by point. We'll just look at four different facets of the Sabbath in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 and um, make a few um, remarks at the end of um, how we can repent for maybe poor Sabbath observance and how we can walk in obedience to the grace of Jesus and what he's called us to. Um, the first thing you see in you know, verse 8, I'll be in Exodus 20 mainly, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You heard it back in creation that God made it holy. Um, you maybe hear that word hallowed. Um, hallowed is, um, is the verb form of holy. It means to make holy. And so first God made the seventh day holy, and now he calls us to make it holy. Um, our view of holiness and making things holy um, is usually smaller than the way that scripture describes holiness. Um, holiness is not just rejecting, refusing, run away, running away from sin. That is an aspect of holiness, but it's only one part of holiness. Holiness, in its most global definition, is something that is set apart for the service of God. Set apart in a very distinctive way to serve God in service purposes. And so 
the example I always give, if you remember Israel having just come out of Egypt, they were slaves, now they've been redeemed. Um, they are going through the wilderness. There is the, the tent of meeting there in the middle. They gather around. Let's even flash forward to the building of the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle's there. You have the sacrifices going on within the tabernacle, literally in the middle of the camp, all the tribes kind of rotating around like a pie chart, all the way around the tabernacle there in the middle. Um, you have cups that are out in just, you know, Joe Schmo's tent. You know, he's of the tribe of Judah. He's got regular old cups. You've got cups that are inside the tabernacle, maybe 100, 200, 300 yards towards the middle of the camp. What's the difference between those two cups? What makes the cup inside the tabernacle holy? Well, it is set aside for a very specific purpose. Is it likely more clean than Joe Schmo's cup? Yes, it is likely more clean. There are a lot of different washings and different things that go along with the things in there. But what makes it holy is it's distinctly set apart for the glory and honor of God. And so even if we, it's a separate sermon that I won't step too far into, but to think that you have been made holy, that you are a holy people because of the sacrifice of Jesus, isn't just that you've been given a distaste for sin and you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, but it's that you and we as a people have been set apart for the service of God. It's that we now have been claimed for a specific purpose. We've been redeemed to honor and serve God in a distinct way than when we were before. And so the first command to observe the Sabbath day is to keep it holy and to keep it different than the other six days. To set it apart for a distinctive service. And you'll see that that service is defined as rest um, rather than work. It doesn't mean that there are six sinful days and one not sinful day. It means there are six days, and what it means to serve God is to work hard. And one day, what it means to serve God is to set that day apart to specifically focus on God and his work. You know, so, for example, let's say that you get on some kind of like piety kick. And you decide, I'm going to be 100% about my personal devotions. I'm going to spend eight hours a day in personal devotions and praying and studying the scriptures and studying theology. And your boss calls and says, hey, you haven't been here for two days. You don't come into work. I'm going to need to fire you. And say your spouse is like, hey, you know, your responsibilities around the home are failing. Yeah, I am 100% devoted to Jesus. I am giving eight hours a day for prayer and scripture study. I am focusing on the Lord God. You are actually in rebellion to the Lord God. Because he's called you during those days to work to his glory. Should you focus on God and study the scriptures? Yes. Should you study the scriptures so much that you aren't working um, in your job and earning gainful employment or you know, serving your spouse, loving your kids? Absolutely not. That's that one priority out of whack. So yes, love the Lord, study the scriptures, pray. But if those things occupy your whole week, you're actually walking in disobedience to the God who says, which we'll see, work. And so... The first thing to observe the Sabbath day is that it's different. And it's different in a joyful and celebrated way. And something I encourage you, like especially if you have young kids in your home, like, you know, a lot of times for a kid growing up, they don't know, like, well, why don't we do these things? These things are fun during the week. Why don't we do those things? Well, what, what about Sunday is joyful and rejoicing and awesome? There have been places in the church 
where the Sabbath day has been laborious and dark and horrible. It's been like, we're doing nothing. You can sit in the corner and do nothing else. Like, that's not a celebratory rest. So to set that day aside, what makes it different in a way that is holy and unique? We have set it aside for the celebration and the honor and the glory of Jesus. And so you know, one of the things that, that our family does a lot of times, you know, five, when we start our Sabbath on Saturday night at 5 o'clock at sundown, a lot of times we will we'll play loud music. Like sometimes it's worship music um, to God's glory. And sometimes, you know, some of us will yell through the house, like, the Sabbath has started. A lot of times we'll open a bottle of wine and we'll feast over a table. Like we think, like, how does the start of our Sabbath show that this way, this day is holy unto the Lord? We are so excited that we get to enter into this rest every week. You know, I, I, I tell you all the time, you know, it's a, you, you think bankers have it good with all the holidays they have. It feels like banks are always on holiday on what they do. Christians are every seventh day. But God's saying, you know, bankers even are not taking enough holidays. But God's saying every seventh day is your holiday. We think in terms of Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, those are observed once a year. That is far too infrequent. God says every seventh day, I want you to stop and rejoice and rest and celebrate and feast and worship and get together for my glory and my honor. So the, the, the first thing he says is just that day is holy. It's 24 hours that are set apart for the Lord God. Not just to avoid sin. Yes, avoid sin on the Sabbath day. But to set it apart for his glory and his honor. The second thing it says, actually first, he, he says first what you should do on the other six days. So set apart as holy. The other six days work and accomplish all of, your, all of the things that you need to do. So the first thing about the Sabbath day has nothing to do with Sunday. The first thing about the Sabbath day has everything to do with Monday through Saturday. And it's from where we get the Christian work ethic. Why do we work? Because we believe that a God has made us to work. Before sin entered the world, God made us to work for six days and to find deep soul satisfaction in our labors. Sin brought thorns and sweat to our work. Sin made work uncomfortable, but it did not undo that we were created to work hard to God's glory. And so even after our redemption, God has made us to work. And yes, sin makes that more difficult, makes it less pleasing than what it used to be. But the Sabbath day first says spend seven days to work hard to God's glory. What is the way that our culture thinks about work? Work is necessary until you reach financial independence. You know, work is necessary until you fall down exhausted. Work is necessary until you're able to, you know, do leisure or entertainment. And it's important, like, leisure and entertainment are not Sabbath rest. You, you, you may do some of those things on the Sabbath, but the way that our culture understands rest as leisure or entertainment is not a biblical definition. You have the old word, which I don't probably don't use this anymore, a man of leisure. I don't know what, what, um, what pops into your, hand, your, your head of man of leisure. You know, back in old days, a, a man of leisure was someone who was so wealthy that he didn't have to work. He could just go around doing like fun things, like attending plays and participating in lawn sports and you know, dressing in kind of highfalutin ways, to use even old words about what a man of leisure was. 
that, that isn't work. work. Work isn't so that you can work finally so that one day you can go play polo and, and see movies and binge on Netflix. Like, that, that isn't what work is. Work is not a necessary evil. It is not. It is a great gift that we've been given to work to God's glory for the rest of our lives. So even, let's say you're, you're in retirement, you're moving towards retirement, retirement is not when men and women stop working. It means a time where they can redefine where and how they work. Yes, more rest. I'm, even, even at my age, I'm still feeling, I'm feeling effects and needing to rest a little more than I used to than, than 20 years ago. So as you get older, yes, more rest, maybe more travel. But God has made us to work and to work for six days during, during the week. And if you choose not to work, you're going to have an incredibly unsatisfying life. Or isn't, wasn't our culture say that otherwise? Like, if, if you can reach financial independence, you don't have to work anymore, you will leave a li- lead a life of great satisfaction. It's a complete lie. A complete lie. So anyway, that's, a, again, probably another sermon for, um, for another day. But see that God first says that Sabbath observance starts with work unto God's glory for six days. Christians outwork everybody else, even though they outrest everybody else on, on the seventh day. So... Um, the third thing he says, not just to work to God's glory, but to rest. And so during 24 hours, the 24-hour first day of the week in the Christian Sabbath, you cease work and you rest. And your rest takes on the aspect of both creation and redemption. And so the, those are the themes in your rest. Remember, it's not just, I've stopped working, I'm going to entertain myself for 24 hours and do the things I wish I could do during the week. It's taking 24 hours off to be restorative creationally and to be restorative spiritually. That is God's rest. God is providing us the opportunity to refresh and to rebuild. That's his process of redemption. He takes something, he rebuilds things and makes them new. So after six days of hard work, you then refresh. And so creational restoration might look like a nap. If you have a job that requires you to, to be up early, you don't get much sleep, you know, maybe that's the day you're like, this is the day I don't have to. I, I love working out during the week and running and lifting and all of those things. Um, I don't do that on Sunday. Um, I, I read all the books that say if you're going to be a good runner or you're going to be, you know, Mr. Super CrossFit, Epic Games, whatever, that you should work out every seven days and never take a day off. Um, I, I don't disbelieve that because I've read medical literature. I disbelieve that because I've read the scriptures, and I think that my body needs rest. And so I, I, don't, I don't do any of those things on Sunday. It's different um, than the week ago. That's creationally, redemptionally, and spiritually. It's what you're doing right now. We gather together to hear the gospel of grace. I probably am capable of preaching a sermon every day. Should you set aside enough time to attend worship service every day? No, you've got work to do during the week. We gather together on this day and we refresh ourselves spiritually. If, if, you've, if you've thought, hey, I, I, I really realize God's pressing on me, and you know, I need to read about biblical marriage, or I need to read about biblical parenting, or I need to read about you know, biblical budgeting, or I just need to read about, like, I need to pray more, even pray more about this particular sin in my life. I need to come up with a, a plan for my family and our spiritual goals for next year. I just, I don't have any time. Guess what? God has commanded time for you to do that. Like, he's commanded 24 hours for spiritual refreshment. 
And so if you're like, I just don't have time during the week. Like maybe during the week, you've got maybe five minutes to read a brief passage of scripture. And you realize that that's not enough for you and your spiritual growth and development. And you use, you use the excuse, I just don't have time. God has commanded 24 days, for, I mean 24 days, 24 hours every seven days for spiritual refreshment. And again, you see that pattern from Exodus to Deuteronomy. Exodus, do this because I created you this way. Deuteronomy, do this because I've redeemed you for this purpose. Think back on this is what we've done. And so even if, you know, if, even if you give away time and, and you neglect the attendance of Lord's Day worship, you will suffer spiritually. If you look at, hey, you know, whatever's come up, and I, we, we have different priorities for our family, we can't attend worship, but 50% of the year, 30% of the year, 70% of the year, that is going to affect you spiritually. So you're like, I'm just spiritually dry. How many Sundays do you miss over the course of the year? What have you prioritized over, over something else? So God has made you to be refreshed spiritually and gathering together with your brothers and sisters on this day. You know, the, the fourth aspect of this we see is that it is family and community rest in a way that requires preparation um, for the Sabbath. And so he's obviously talking to um, husbands, fathers, heads of households here, because he says, hey, listen, make sure your, your daughters and your sons, and make sure you know, your male servants and your female servants. He even goes so far and say, hey, make sure your donkey and your, your cows can rest. Now, that, that is hardcore Sabbath observance. I mean, you're thinking, like, how do my dogs and cats rest on, on Sunday? Am I contributing to the rest of my pets um, on Sunday? And, of course, you know, that's a funny example. What it was really looking at is that these were the means of operating their household and likely the business that functioned within their home. You know, female and male servants were the equivalent of indentured servants, which would have been employees back in those days. The, the cattle, the oxen, the donkeys were the, the means of producing, you know, whether it was agriculture or whatever else. And so what God is saying to the leaders of homes is prepare in such a way that everyone in your family gets to rest. Isn't because your dad or your mom or you're the head of the business that you get to rest and other people don't. He says, even if you have someone who's sojourning, a, a foreigner who's come in, which in the pecking order, if anyone was given the lowest responsibilities in a household, the lowest, most menial jobs, it was someone who was a foreigner. And he said, I, I even want the foreigner who's staying with you to be able to rest on this Sunday. And so there's preparation and there's also privilege. No matter who you are in a Christian household, you have the privilege of rest. And it's contingent on the leader of your home to make sure that you are freed up to rest. And so it means looking at you know, the week long and saying, hey, family, this, we're going to organize our lives. This way. Hey, hey, kids, make sure that you're doing your homework in such a way that we're, we're not going to do homework on Sunday. Hey, we're going to do yard work on Saturday because we're not going to do it on Sunday. Um, and I'm going to make sure I don't assign you so much during the week that you're able to rest on Sunday, that you don't have to do those chores when it comes around to Sunday. We're, we're making sure that we can, we can rest. So, you know, for example, like, you know, if you, you've, got, you've got mom, wife, who's the homemaker. 
What that means is that family on Saturday isn't, hey, we leave the house a wreck all day Saturday, and so mom's walking around like the home's a wreck on Sunday. It means that there's some preparation that happens on Saturday to prepare the home so that everyone, no matter their role or responsibility in the home, is able to rest. Like that, that's a beautiful amount of preparation. It means even, even your own jobs and your own work, like organizing your work schedule so that for 24 hours you, you don't have to do work. Maybe it means turning off notifications on your phone, not checking work emails, you know, whatever, communicating to your employees. Like even when you look at, you think, well, we can't do that. You just look at the example of Chick-fil-A. Like if a fast food industry, like a fast food um, corporation can Sabbath, your family can Sabbath. Like the owner of Chick-fil-A is Christian. He, said, he took this seriously. He said, listen, I, I'm going to create a business. I want to do well. I want it to be excellent. I want to make a ton of money for our investors, and I want our employees to do well. And we're going to take one day off every seventh day. I want to make it so that my employees feel no obligation or responsibility to work. And so you could try to go to Chick-fil-A today. You won't get anything. So again, like if, if, if a national fast food chain can Sabbath, we can. If a national fast food chain is setting the example of a grace-filled Sabbath that the church isn't as much as well, then we probably need to do some repentance um, as far as that goes. Much less, they make great product. Like they are great chicken sandwiches. They've even been able to do really well as a fast food chain, even following the Lord's commands for resting. And so you see this here, and where it comes for us is certainly, maybe you've never Sabbathed or thought about Sabbath. Maybe you hear this, and you've thought about, which we'll get to some of the things, you think, well, I've heard the Christian Sabbath is like no longer there. I've heard the Christian Sabbath is just legalistic, which is just funny, because people never say that about any any of the other Ten Commandments. It's not like if you come home today from church and you see a guy you don't know coming out your front door with your TV and you say, hey, you can't steal that. Oh, stealing is so legalistic. Like, I'm about grace. I'm taking your TV. Like, there's your spouse, like, you know, adultery is so legalistic. Like, I'm going to go do whatever I want. No. Like, it's so funny that we deal with things that way. The Sabbath is God's gift to us and it's one of his commandments. And so if you've never thought, like, I just, I, I never thought I should, or I thought I should and I haven't, there's a chance to repent and say, Lord, I haven't been Sabbathing the way that I should. I have not set aside time for you to, to rest creationally and to rest um, redemptively. redemptively. Maybe you do, and you've just never thought about ways to tweak it. I told you, our family, you know, two or three years ago, we went through a time where we were just, we, we've never worked harder as a family. Um, outside of the home, inside the home, everything that was on us, and we thought we, we need to look again at how we Sabbath. We've always been a Sabbathing family, but we, 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 we can be more intentional in different ways that we observe the Lord's gift to us. And so maybe for you it's just, hey, we need to take a look again. What does it look for us to make this day holy, to work the rest of the week, to set aside a day for rest and whatever it is? Um, and, and so whether it's repenting or growing, there's a chance for us to look to the Lord Jesus and to do some really great soul work. We've already talked about before, whenever you run into sin, what's under every sin is idolatry, and what's under every idolatry is unbelief. And the Sabbath can reveal all kinds of things for you. If you look at that and you just think, I don't rest ever. I work seven
seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I get three hours of sleep, and I think it's a badge of honor. That's the idolatry of work. It's the idolatry of money. It's the idolatry of your, your resume. Maybe it's your idolatry of just being able to prove to somebody else that you need less sleep than they do. And all of that is sin. The unbelief under that is that you do not believe that God will take care of you if you obey him. You think you need to take into your own hands earning status, earning wealth, earning whatever these things are. You don't trust that he will provide for you if you take. So, again, sin, idol, unbelief. Maybe the reason you work all week is because you don't work very hard during the rest of the week. Maybe you struggle with laziness. You just have never developed a Christian work ethic. Maybe your idol is just fun and entertainment and whatever it is, and you just live for that. That's a chance to say, Lord, I don't believe that there is abundant pleasure and satisfaction in you and in walking with you. I think satisfaction instead is online or in fantasy sports or in video games or on Facebook or whatever these other things. And so I really live for these other things, but I don't work very hard. I don't, I don't believe that there is ultimate pleasure to be had in you. It's a chance to repent. And so you look at, hey, do you... Do you feel freed up by the gospel to celebrate and rejoice in God's goodness to you of taking one day off to rest and recuperate spiritually and creationally to his glory? If you don't, what's under that? And again, there, there are times, there are professions and occupations where you have to work on Sunday. One is happening right now. I'm working right now. Um, just like the Levitical priests had to. Levitical priests had to work. They, they, they ministered to the people of God. Which means I take a day off during the week to rest because I work on Sunday, but it's not my Sabbath. This is my Sabbath day. I'm spending with the people of God and with you. If you're an ER doc, you don't get to say, I'm Sabbathing, you know, hope your, you know, your arterial wounds do okay. Like, we, we need doctors to do, we need policemen to do policemen um, kind of things. But it's not every profession and what it is. You know, if something happens on a Sunday that was unforeseen, maybe that's, that's what you need to do. But... You need to watch out for those excuses because sometimes those excuses build up and what you've actually done is excuse disobedience, not realize that God's intended you to take the Sabbath and to figure out how you can walk in full obedience um, to it given your life. And so encourage you with that. I hope that I've left some unanswered questions. I hope what the scripture has done is said, huh, I wonder, I wonder if I am. And not just am I obeying the Lord, but am I missing out on his grace? If I look at my life and I see physical or spiritual things that are amiss and maybe have been for a long time and I've never rested spiritually or physically, maybe God built into my calendar a time for me to be renewed and refreshed. And because I'm not walking in his ways, I'm experiencing either sin or even physical illness or other things that go when you don't rest. So um, look at those things, pray about them. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, any of your elders would. Talk about your community groups and your families. Um, we'll continue the conversation next week um, when we look at how Jesus fulfills um, the Sabbath, who is the one who is the one who forgives for Sabbath disobedience and is our rest, the one in whom we can rest. So what we pray to him now. Father, thank you that you've given us the ability to rest. We love you. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to obey the Sabbath as a church because we believe not only it is your law, but you are our Lord and our King. So help, Father, as we walk in these things. We pray in the name of your Son, Christ. Amen. Why don't we stand and respond in song?